Tonight, we celebrate the 33 and a third anniversary of The Last Record Store. Founded in 1983, The Last Record Store has become more than just a place to buy music. It's an iconic Sonoma County institution and an essential part of our artistic community. Tonight, we'll explore the history of this place as well as the philosophies of the people behind it. We are joined by founder Doug Jane, alongside longtime associates Ethan Jane and Jerry Stumbaugh. 33 and a third years. Absolutely. Welcome to the program, everybody. Wow. Thanks, Jim. Happy to be here. Yeah, awesome. What a quick 33 and a third years it was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a mind blower. Uh, 33 and a half years is uh, more than half of my life. Yeah. Wow. So it's a long time. Yeah, right. And, you know, to have the same guy as your business partner all that time, too. It's my longest... Uh, relationship the record store was founded or um, just right before tom started here at the phoenix i'm going on it'll be 33 years for me at the phoenix in uh august this year so we were yeah yeah, you guys got me by a third of a year i think 83 (laughs) 83 yeah yeah you bet Big year, year for Sonoma Living. County. What a year. Did you ever oh, uh, live in the back room of your uh, the Phoenix? Uh, not the Phoenix. I've lived in the back room of a theater too, though. In my life. <laughs> so yeah, I only asked that because when we first opened up uh, Old Hoyt, we we set him up in the one of the empty rooms. We moved into uh, our first store was a uh, optometrist office when we moved in, and they had uh, emptied out. So uh, they had little examination rooms. So we set up his bed in there and his books and candles and stuff. They didn't leave the examination uh, b- uh, bed in there. That no, but they had, we had some displays that you know you like you would hang your glasses on those kind of yeah. things that they left there. And uh, then he would go over and uh, shower at the YMCA and then come back and open up the shop. And but we got him a, a house in Katati very fast. So a little little history, kind of what led you there. Um, you worked for Warehouse Records, Doug. You were uh, you started as a looked like a trainee there, a manager trainee. We uh, I answered an ad in the paper for managers trainees, and I'd never thought about working in the record store. My first uh, wife, one out of three, uh, she saw the ad, and I'd be like, I never thought about working in the record store. Like, you alphabetize all your albums. I mean, come on. You know, I mean, I'm such a dork. You know, I've got dividers and everything. It's like, hmm, but I never thought of. I never went into a record store and looked at the people behind the counter. I thought like, hey, that looks like a good gig. That guy looks dorky enough. I bet I could do that. <laughs> With, within a short period of time, I uh, was given a company Pinto by the uh, warehouse. <laughs> and, uh, and this is for warehouse music. They where, gave you a company Pinto. Warehouse music. Yeah. I was made a assistant uh, vice president was the title that they would wow, give actually. people in, in lieu of raises. And uh, <laughs> I had 10 stores that I would drive around to and you'd go in. and in, in the Pinto? In the Pinto. And you'd go in and driving talk to the managers. Side, there. Half the time, they fucking hated you. And just like, oh, they'd be all uptight when you're coming in. It's like, it's cool, bro. You know, we take some of the staples down off your wall and we're going to move your country western section over here next to the blues and make more sense, you know. What what ended for me at uh, Warehouse was that they uh, had a store in Watts and uh, they they fired the entire crew and I drove down there with a, a guy who was a real vice president of the company and they went and fired everybody including the security guard and they put me in charge and said, you're going to have to hire a crew 
and get the inventory straight. It's like, I'm like this 23-year-old white kid from Orange County. It's like, in, I'm in Watts, and I've got to climb up a big ladder and put help wanted manager trainee. And it was, it was horrible. I just... You know, I knew nothing about, it's like, where's their Peter Frampton albums? You know? <laughs> <laughs> but basically, you ended up in Santa Rosa, right? And mm-hmm. you would have to go to, uh, just to, to get to Last Record Store, you would have to go to Backdoor Records. That was a pain in the ass to make that drive. Mm-hmm. And it, it struck you as weird that Santa Rosa, a pretty populous town, didn't have a record store. And that's right. kind of what led right. you on the path. Yeah. Is that correct? Right. It had, uh, it had one little record store that I actually uh, was in a arrangement to buy it was called prez records they were in uh, railroad square and the fellow that uh, owned it it was mainly a jazz uh, aficionado and uh, so he had the store for sale and i agreed to his terms and then him and his wife decided they didn't want to sell it and i started thinking like why was i going to give him x amount of money to just move out of this place why don't i just get my own place and uh, build some bins and put some records in there. So Hoyt couldn't be here tonight, but he his his uh, spirit will be here because he definitely <laughs> <laughs> he definitely is an important part of that place. Anybody who has gone in there in the last thirty years knows who he is. What I love about he's Hoyt, the, he's the face of the place. Really. Yeah, I mean, he is. He I've been saying for years, years we should just have T-shirts with Hoyt on them. Hoyt does a funny thing when he answers the phone. There, there, it reminds me of. Uh, <laughs> The comedy team of Bob and Ray, uh, oh, they, yeah. would, they had this character named Wally Ballou, who was a sports reporter. And whenever they would go to Wally Ballou, they'd go, and now here's Wally Ballou. And they would, all, would never have his mic coming at the same time. So he'd go, Lee Ballou here. So they'd cut it off. So Hoyt always says, last record store before the phone actually activates. So all people hear is, store. And, then, and so... 90% of the people that call say, is this the last record store? And he's like, these phones are horrible. <laughs> and if only he would delay it three seconds. What I love about Hoyt is he is the face of the place. Um, but he also isn't afraid to uh, voice opinions, which maybe are contrary to what the people he's talking to have. And I think he gets a kick out of it, you know? <laughs> well, I, I th- we all get a kick out of it. Because I think what you do is, what you're trying to do is get people to... Uh, you're not trying to belittle anyone's choice. No. I think early on when we started, he was a little more, uh, well, here's a good story. Is we had, uh, uh, <laughs> I worked at the Volvo shop, and one of my customers was a lady named, uh, her last name was Hartman, and her husband was the, uh, ex-husband, was the drummer, one of the drummers of the Doobie Brothers. I believe he lived in Petaluma. Yeah, yeah. And might have worked for the police department in Petaluma for a while before he passed away. Anyway. So I got to I got to know them and you know he was kind of like don't charge me too much don't fix this on our car so he's paying for the car repair I got to know him got to, got to know her he comes in the record store one day while I'm working there with Hoyt and uh, John Hartman says to me he goes yeah Doobie Brothers are going to record a Moby Grape song and then Hoyt overhears it and goes <laughs> and he looks at me he goes what's wrong with that so I'm like Oh, nothing. Hoyt loves the, uh, the Moby Grape. He thinks it's a great idea. This is John Hartman from the Doobie Brothers. Like, Meet my brother. Hoyt. Just, <laughs> it was like, oh, man, don't do that. Yeah. Doobie Brothers. I'm sure that it's, it's less, it's less uh, like that now. But, but well, there's, still, there's still shades of that. I mean, he, 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 he may disagree with you, and he'll voice it. He's not being disrespectful. But that's part of the Hoyt character and part of the charm of a lot of uh, people like Hoyt who work in record stores. But Hoyt is our version of that character. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's showing yeah. more restraint now. He's yeah. showing more restraint on the scoffs and that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, that's true. Today, a girl, like a maybe 20-year-old girl, was buying Stevie Nicks Belladonna <laughs> and said, 
I love this. I've been looking this for this for a while. Stevie Nicks is my spirit animal, and he really he held it in. He held it together, and wow, you know, boy, boy. you, could, you wow. could feel it though. You yeah. could feel that he felt something. <laughs> <laughs> it was right at right when we were closing up, oh, so okay. he it, yeah. it was time to get her out the door. He, yeah. You guys have a quote on the wall of the record store from Jeff Tweedy. I'm going to read it. Uh, it says, "My oh, introduction yeah. to all this great music into the music business came from hanging around and eventually working at independent record stores. Nothing beats browsing in your favorite store, listening to music, finding something new or old that you've been searching for, and all that. Without these stores, there's just no way that Wilco would still be." around yeah that's, that's pretty sweet i think jeff yeah. pretty much said that about us right yeah, <laughs> Is that the- yeah. well i mean you <laughs> he he did because you you are that equivalent mm-hmm. for this community yeah. to the point about uh there would be no wilco if uh you know there weren't independent record stores um there's been some things that have happened that were sort of close call type encounters, you know, CDs coming out. That was sort of an adjustment you had to make pretty quickly. Obviously we all know about downloads becoming a thing. That was an adjustment you had to make Uh, big box, best buy target type (laughs) stores. Tell us about that. You made a face and I, I kind of know it, but I'd like to hear from your perspective. (laughs) Best buys opens up and they decide that they will, you know, sell uh, new CDs for below our cost. Which is, you know, about 10 bucks. This is what, uh, right about when we were moving, right? So like, Yeah, uh, definitely. So we're I mean, moving into a new place trying to get people to come over. And, like, we actually had customers that come and go, man, I was just at Best Buy and bought a dozen CDs for 10 bucks each. It's just like. And they cost us, like, 12. Great. <laughs> Why don't you come in and tell me you just, you know, molested my sister, you know? That's how they're tanked. All those box stores are like, nobody buys records there at all anymore. They had a couple years, and... I almost felt like it was kind of a weird uh, cosmic payback, because uh, when I worked for the chain stores, a lot of times the chain stores would pick a strip mall to put their store in that was close to a mom-and-pop shop, move in, sell their shit for... Three ninety nine, and you know, yeah, right. mom and pop shop leaves, and then they jack their prices back up. And I think what the the good part that happened with all that going down is that it's it's almost like if you're on a um, you know a, a working on a boat or something, and you're out at sea, and all of a sudden you run into some stormy weather, and and your rations are low or something, so you learn how to adapt and and get by with little. So we had a little smaller amounts of money coming in and we just had to adjust the way we ordered stuff and you know sometimes uh, cut hours and just whatever it took to keep going so then when business started pumping back up again you already had uh, positioned yourself to to work through adversity so it kind of kind of made us a little stronger i think in a way and it was kind of a little wake-up call too has it ever felt like more than just a business a way to provide for the family well, it, it always just felt like a job, but you know, uh, something I heard something a while ago, and it was when uh, Gabe Moline had gone up to uh, Oregon and he went in to see the guy at the music club oh, yeah. up in <laughs> Ashland. John. And John, John said, yeah. So, Doug's still in business, huh? And he's still making a go of it, huh? And Gabe says, Well, yeah, not only is he in business, but he uh, pays for people's health care and uh, started a SEP IRA for the employees and I was able to buy a house with the money that I made working there and Jerry bought a house with the money that he made working there and it's like so Gabe just jumped in and, and yeah. spoke so highly of me that I hadn't even thought about <laughs> well really you work for that dude he sounds yeah. pretty awesome <laughs> so Gabe Molina people don't know uh, he, he's a journalist he's now the KQED arts and music curator worked at the last record store for 14 years had this to say about working at the place he said <laughs> um, I learned a lot about life too 
things like how to treat people properly, how not to be a snob, and how actions and achievements mean more than opinions and ideals. Mm. So that kind of ties in with what you're saying. I mean, for the people who've spent a lot of time there, 14 years is a long time to dedicate to a place. Uh, it's more than just, I think, a record store to work at. Mm-hmm. Well, a couple <clears throat> couple things that really stuck with me in different uh, places I worked at was I worked at when I worked at Warehouse, I saw that they they almost were giddy about the fact that they had never at, when I worked for them they had never paid an unemployment claim. Ugh. So they they had this procedure that you had to go through if you wanted to fire someone they had to go through all these steps and sign these things and no one ever got an unemployment claim from the warehouse. Bravo! But what happened? They treated people so poorly that like. People, you know, people are ripping off albums, and you know, oh. people are just stealing shit. Yeah, I mean, right. you know, not get you, caring. You can't, you can't rip people off that work for you. So, I just learned a long time ago. It's like, man, you got to take care of the people that work for you that are like touching your money and talking to the people that are your customers yep. and stuff. So it's like bad idea to try and rip off employees. I excerpted that and I was reading another thing, which just, I want to tie everything together here for a minute. So 30 years, you guys have been doing 33 and 30 years. Last record store has been at it. Mm-hmm. Tom, you've been doing the Phoenix for yeah. about 32 yeah. years now. Yeah. Well, um, 33, in 33 in August. Yeah. And, uh, and my family founded Petaluma market right next door in 1987. So we're coming on our mm-hmm. 30th anniversary mm-hmm. ourselves. And I, I think a lot about that when I was going into this because I bet you guys could write much like we can over at the market an encyclopedia on all the characters, ha. stories, and experiences uh, that you've had over the 30 years. One that Gabe mentioned in his article was um, the time that Doug rigged a huge PA speaker up on the roof and blared mule variations oh, yeah. at mm-hmm. midnight all over downtown Santa Rosa. Why would you do a thing like that? Oh, it was the uh, uh, the release date for the album, so you you couldn't sell the album until the whatever the date Tuesday. Was. So we used when to it turned midnight, midnight we yeah. would have a you have a midnight mm-hmm. sale and you're able to sell the thing. Mm-hmm. We had a very funny, uh, uh, we, you know, these things. It, we had a good period of time there where we had lots of uh, midnight sales. Metallica. One of the funniest ones was uh, Tori Amos. And uh, mm-hmm. my friend Bob Malta and I are over at the uh, my little studio that was on top of the other record store, just right across from the one on Fourth Street. And we're playing music and you know getting stoned and stuff. And I was like, "Oh my God, it's almost midnight! I got to open up the store <laughs> and uh, sell Tori, Tori Amos records." So I go in through the back door, and as I'm walking in the front, I hear shit. Cocksucker. <laughs> and there were these people that were in line that had Tourette syndrome. And it was just, I mean, I'm like kind of hammered. It's just like, oh, man. And all the people in line are like, you know. So they get in and they're the nicest people. They're like, oh, thanks. We're looking forward to this. And you give them the poster and everything. They're like, thank you, cocksucker. You know, it's just so weird. It's like, whoa. That's, that Tori Amos one is a perfect example. You know, just, just those big ones. When you look back at the 30 years or however long you guys have well, been Well, we, we had a good one. Uh, uh, Mick Taylor from the Rolling Stones played at the Katati Cabaret. And uh, the uh, co- record company contacted us and wanted to know if we wanted them to do an in-store album signing it's like yeah sure so we set up a table in the front and i sat next to mick taylor and all these people are coming in with stacks of their rolling stones and he signed everyone as those again well i'm not actually on this one but i'll sign it anyway (laughs) real gracious and then we went to a show that night it was like half full there's like you know 200 people in there to see him it's like mick why why did you leave the Rolling Stones again? <laughs> 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 
we had a guy who was uh, pretty pretty nutty, and he had, this particular guy ended up punching Gabe Moline. Oh so yeah, got him. And, I wasn't sure if you were going to tell. And that. he went to, <laughs> and he actually sued us for. Uh, he sued us Hurting for something. his hand. I don't know what happened. It was defamation or something yeah. weird, right? Oh, what, defamation of character yeah. because mm-hmm. he sold some CDs and uh, or some music. And when generally when people uh, get some credit or you pay, do a cash paid out, you have them sign it. So it's like, you know, <laughs> you sign their name and everything. So our employee at the time, rather than have them sign it, just wrote down Psycho Boy. Oh. So later on, Psycho Boy came back in to sell more stuff and saw Psycho Boy written down there where he knew his name was Psycho Boy, and he fucking went psycho, believe it or not. Yeah. <laughs> Punched well, Gabe. Right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mark uh, Weinstein, who is the founder of Amoeba, Amoeba. Music, uh, mm. had this to say about uh, record stores and music. Music is most people's connection to the spiritual. It's how they get high. You have to respect that, whatever sort of music they're into. <laughs> Uh, I kind of keep coming back to this being more than a record store because I feel like, especially for Ethan and I's generation in, in, in this area in particular, religion is not really that much of a thing. And uh, old sort of like gathering places and communal type spaces and things are less of a thing. So I find places that are like music venues and music stores sort of take that, have, have sort of elevated to that role. And I, I really do well, feel I would, like... I they, would agree with you because I think the stories of like, you know, groups like the Beatles and Stones and stuff, their stories are, you know, more... I don't want to sound like John Lennon when he's dissing Jesus Christ or anything, but they, they speak to people more. I mean, you can listen to that music. I mean, the idea of, you know, Christianity and God, you know, dying on the cross and all coming back and everything... It's not for everybody, oh, yeah. but I mean, uh-huh. anybody can hear the story of the Beatles and you hear that music and go, yeah. But I would think that if you were just selling records, period, which is what Amazon.com does, which is what Best Buy does, which is what iTunes does, then there wouldn't be a place for the record store. But because it is more than just a record store, that's why I think it remains and will continue to it remain. A community. Uh, I'll read one more quote. I just like quotes. Uh, <laughs> Pat Oswalt. The idea of the journey is the destination is put into action by browsing an indie record store. Uh, besides, a human being is a much better guide than a more like this link on the internet. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just... Sure. It's a funny thing about the last record store, I think. I think that there are people probably who haven't been in the record store in 10 years who are just like really happy the record store is still there. Yeah. And if the record store yeah. was announcing it was going to close, they would be absolutely heartbroken. And that's, again, what I mean when I say that it's more than a record store. Mm. It's just like a, boy, I'm glad that's still happening. I mean, they could not come to see a show institution. here. Exactly. Yeah. They, could come to not see, they could not come to see a show here for 20 years, but they're happy that yeah. you're still here managing the place. Yeah, I get that all the time. People will come yeah. back and they say, wow, I haven't been here in 10 years, and I'm, I'm so excited you're still here. We have a lot of customers that grow up, have kids, and then bring their kids yeah, in. Yeah, the kids yeah. are coming in. with the kids. Yeah, and we like, see Now that. the kids are getting into vinyl, and their kids yep. are cruising at the vinyl, and they're pulling out all the albums and looking at all the album covers. Yes. Because they're, they're so interesting. You know, the CDs, eh, yeah. you know, they're, they're smaller. They're just yeah. not as... Uh, it's not the same. It's not as thrilling. Where were you born in? I was born in 1987. 1987. So, oh, that, was, that was a good year. That was a good year. <laughs> I was... I was <laughs> market. So there was always record store. There, there has always yeah. been the yeah. last record store. I still, in a few ways, feel like the new guy, and I've it's been I've been sixteen years. Here's a funny thing that kind of put it in perspective: how long 1983, how long ago it was, was that uh, we had an employee, uh, first girl we hired, uh, her name was Sequoia. Oh yeah, and she had a nose ring, and she had the only nose ring in town. 
So people would refer to her as the girl with the ring in her nose. That'd be like saying, the, you know, the guy with the tattoos. You know, the guy with the tattoos. It'd be like, yeah, I think I know who you mean. So that's how long ago it was. She was the only person the only in the ring. county that had uh, a wow. nose ring. Did we know, did you know, Reinhardt's music and video in Kirksville, Missouri is the oldest record store in America? It was founded in 1897. He started selling wax cylinders and Edison phonographs. Uh, it remains in the family in the 2000s, but they had to start selling DVDs and video games to remain commercially oh. viable. Mm, wow. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of weird trivia, um, what does the logo mean? The, uh, the jackalope? Yeah. Well, we, we named the uh, store after a Little Feet album called The Last Record Album. And this record has uh, got a shot of a kind of deserted town that looks like uh, Hollywood Boulevard, like if it was a deserted western town. And there's a jackalope sitting in the middle of the road. And there's the Hollywood sign is on a jello mold in the back. <laughs> we just, so we thought we'll call it the last record store and we'll use the jackalope. And thought like, yeah. And it stuck. It yeah. And sure. we met uh, members of Little Feet and they're cool with it and yeah. everything. So that, it was good. Because we didn't, you know, didn't want to rip off uh, Grateful Dad or Frank Zappa that have lawyers. That <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> You yeah, can't. we needed some more low-hanging yes. fruit than that. Yeah. Was, it, was Uncle Meat one of the store name ideas? That was mm-hmm. yeah. When I saw the that would have been a bad idea. Probably. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hoyt actually came up with the idea for last record. Sorry, man. Yeah. yeah, mine was Uncle, Hoyt. Uncle Meat because <laughs> that was a Frank Zappa fan, and that was yeah, Frank you bet. Oh. No, Frank would have still come after you. So uh, you had, uh, gave a quote by Jeff Tweedy earlier. Did you know that Hoyt was in the Wilco movie? No, I didn't. For about f- yeah. <laughs> the documentary called uh, I'm Trying, I'm to, trying break to Break Your Heart. Your heart. Yeah. Tell us about that. What did he do? Uh, Hoyt went down with our uh, rep from WIA, went to uh, the Great American Music Hall to see Jeff Tweedy. Both these guys like Wilco. Mm-hmm. And so the guy took uh, Hoyt backstage to meet Jeff Tweedy afterwards, who was just in a foul mood. Uh, TK, the guy who took Hoyt, is wearing a Last Record Store t-shirt. Hoyt's got his Giants cap on. Is like got to meet Tweety and it's on the movie it's like last record for center big fan you know <laughs> came, he was so worried that he was going to look like a dork but he looked he looked great and someone asked Tweety a question in the room of people that are admiring someone asked him something that just rubbed him the wrong way and he just said ah oh, and just shook his head and walked out of the room and that's in the video yeah yeah, yeah. he left it in there Jerry you had said that you had some uh, no pressure here but you just mentioned you had a lot of like stories and thoughts about the record store coming in did was there anything that we didn't touch on that you had kind of been thinking about in the lead up to this no the record store has been so important to me i mean i'm like i've been it's i've done it more than anything i've ever done it's longer than any like relationship i've had it's like i've had two kids born since i've worked there it's like you know it's just been real big for me that means people at the last record store are getting laid (laughs) (laughs) thanks to you (laughs) at least twice (laughs) <laughs> so i mean yeah i mean it's it's been more than a place for you to work it's been a family for me sure yeah, yeah. and i mean you've it's the been the only thing you've known in your family ethan i mean i moved away too i, I, I moved to portland for a while i tried to stake out my different i worked at a different record store in portland but i had to stake out my little independence my bubble I had to be do my own thing and i came back and it's still there well, what was cool is you came back and you had all these great ideas. Yeah. You know, so yeah, you, you lot, really energized us when yeah, you came back. Yeah, a lot of times Ethan will just be like, it won't be like, he'll never say like, up in Portland they did this, but he'll just be like, you know, we maybe we should like cut this section down and expand this section and be like, 
well, yeah, we could do that. And then they, they're always good. And, you know, he, uh, Ethan is, uh, Ethan, someone that'll walk by a bin and like see that the, the records are messy looking and like just go through and kind of manicure everything, you know, and just have it all looking good. And, you know, a lot of guys working record stores are like, you know, they go, to, they go to file something. There's already six copies of that, and the, the bins are stuffed, and there's stuff in the bin. No one that works for us. Yes. But uh, others. Yeah, others and, and that I've known. There's still, there's still works of art, like you said. You, like, yeah. you love to look at them, and that image of how it looks is so important. And one of my favorite record stores up there, I didn't work there, but my favorite one to go spend time in was Mississippi Records, and you went there, and it was tiny. And they would just have to, everything had to be perfect because they had no space. Yeah. And that just kind of, that stuck with me. Like, it's got to look right when someone walks in, they want to see their record looking nice. I'm involved in a family business too. Mm-hmm. And if I wasn't, I'd feel like it'd be super annoying asking this question. Mm. But my intention is to do that for a really long time. Is yeah. your intention to stick around with the record store uh, for the foreseeable future and beyond? Absolutely. 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 It's too, it's too late to stop now. <laughs> 33 and a third more years. Please. Tom, do you have any closing thoughts for us here tonight? Well, I mean, the Phoenix Theater is... Uh, you guys have been selling our tickets for uh, since about 87, 86 or 87, I think. And uh, yeah, we couldn't have existed without you guys even being in the county. You guys had been there supporting the kids, uh, turning them on to music and allowing us to post, allowing them to sell their... Uh, uh, their uh, demos and all of that stuff there, you guys have been great. And uh, a great part of what the Sonoma County music scene is, is is a part of your legacy as well. And it's been wonderful to have you guys. It is around. amazing because, I mean, most of the, uh, you know, I never had a store that I, that stayed in business very long when I was a kid. I mean, the, the, <laughs> the, by the time I was 20, all the record stores I shopped in when I was, you know, 12 were, were gone. We're gone, yeah. When you talk about the shared history to the two places, I mean, look at all the long-term staff you've talked about that the last record store has. I mean, these are people who all have incredible history here at the Phoenix, too. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the paths of these two institutions have really intertwined mm-hmm. a lot, and it's yeah. pretty incredible. Yeah. And we, could probably, we could probably write all the names of the employees we had on one sheet of paper, like, yeah. you know, 25, <laughs> and probably remember most of them. Mm-hmm. And I guess the last thing that I would put out there is, do you have anything, Doug, to just sort of like look back on the 33 and a third years aside from what we've already said? Well, uh, just that, you know, when you're a kid and you hear music uh, the first time, you know, wafting out of the radios in the, in the cars, you're driving home with your parents or out of your dad's stereo or your, your brother's bedroom who's got a record collection and you have a fascination for this thing and you start collecting records when you're 12 and you're still doing it when you're 62. It's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Well, like we've said, the last record store is at the center of our musical community here. And I believe, and I know Tom believes this too, that Sonoma County is lucky that it's 2016 and you guys are still doing this. Absolutely. So thank you for keeping it going and for spending some time here with us tonight to reflect on the last 33 and a third years. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having us. And to another, what, 33 and a third, 45? The next one will be 45. 45, All right, well, let's do it again then and talk about all the craziness that happens in between. Cool. All right, thanks, Thanks, guys. Thanks, you guys. Yeah, thank you.